0: Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And when we hear of speech therapy, some of us might think that it's mainly for children with speech disorders or mainly for stroke survivors to learn how to speak again. But is there more to speech therapy than that, especially for older adults? So on this episode of Healthy Aging, I'm joined by speech language therapist, to find out how speech therapy can help to improve the quality of life for older adults and thus their Overall physical and mental well being as well. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jai. Thank you for
1: having me.
0: <laughs> Glad to have you on, um. I think this is the first time we've had you on, so I'm really looking forward to having um this chat with you. Perhaps first before we get into speech therapy for older adults, right? Could you give us a brief overview of what speech therapy is? Because if we go by the name, people
1: might think that you no, know, is it just to do with speech? Yeah, so as its name lah, so if it's speech therapy is mostly if you talk about speech, it's mostly about sounds and articulation. You hear people saying that, oh, I can't hear what you're saying. The words that you are saying is not that um that accurate. So we're thinking about sounds and um, voice, and it could be fluency. So we're talking about like stuttering and stammering and all those. But it's also a speech language, right? So a lot of language components like comprehension. I can't understand. What you're trying to say, I don't understand your questions and expressing yourself. I understand what you're saying, but when I want to put it in sentence, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. And we also help in supporting in like social communication. There's a lot of cognitive involvement. I can't even remember what you're saying or reading, like I can't understand the text that you sent us, um, all those things. And we um and not very popular, uh, concept but speech and language therapy also work with swallowing um, disorders so we're working with population who have difficulty in chewing and biting in eating um, enough and um, safely for their own body Um, it could be just because of it just happens like this. So I don't know how to chew. I can't coordinate. So, um, and it could be also be brain injuries, and I have weakness in my um, muscles, and I can't chew and swallow properly. So yeah. So the general is we work in speech, the sounds and all. We work in language to help you comprehend and express. We also work with supporting swallowing.
0: Hmm. And, and the swallowing part is interesting. Is that because we're talking about the same muscles here when it comes to sounds and language?
1: Yeah, it, um, there are research that says we use kind of the, the same muscles, but we use it differently. So it's just like how you use the same muscles for like piano, you use the same muscles for like violin, but mm-hmm. knowing how to play the piano cannot ensure that you can play the violin. <laughs> so it's a lot more about like coordination mm-hmm. and like functional practices as well. So um, for example, if you had a stroke, even though you have been eating well for the past 30 years, your brain might move more support to like coordinate. Okay, I need to chew. Uh, when the food reach here, okay, I need to start swallowing. Like all these kind of um, movements, you might need to relearn it again. Yeah, mm,
0: That's really interesting. So then if we look at older adults, right, how important is that ability for them to communicate with the people around them, you know, what happens when or what are the concerns if they can't adequately or effectively communicate um, both on their physical and mental well being?
1: Yeah, so imagine like now borders are like loosening and you can travel, right? So imagine if you're traveling to a Boring place where everybody speaks a different language. So, the first thing you'll notice is a lot more frustration. I cannot find where the toilet is. I don't know how much is this thing. So, we're talking about like frustrations, anger, you're hopeless. You're just on your own. You're very alienated. You can't participate in the social um, situations. When people laugh about jokes, you can't understand, and you're just reading body languages. So, you are essentially very cut off from the social part of it. In terms of vocational, for adult patients, a lot of them might have already had the ability before this and now you lose it maybe. So you won't be able to participate fully in your work. So your work demands might not be able to be met. Um, you can't build relationships at work. So for physical and mental well-being, it's going to limit you a lot in participation, which is why um adults should have adequate access to speech
0: and language therapy. Hmm. So what are some of the signs or scenarios that might indicate to a family member, right? People around them um, that, you know, that older adult might need speech therapy. Um, and, And I guess, could you provide some examples that are perhaps more milder situations to more severe cases?
1: Yeah, so like um, for adults that I work with, um, some would like tell me, I forget where I put my keys, but that's normal because I'm mm-hmm. old already. So if it happens once or twice and mm-hmm. you in the end still found your keys, it might be like a mild thing. It doesn't impact your activities of daily living that much. It doesn't mm-hmm. frustrate you that much. It could be at a milder level. Um, The level of severity and like, what wow, the indication that I must seek help varies across different populations so for like an adult whose work is very demanding or well, i need to read a lot of documents suddenly someday i realized i can't follow a um, conference i can't Remember a uh, multifaceted communication that might be a bigger deal for them, even though it's just like once or twice occurrence. Um, compared to an adult who's working at a hawker center, so for him, if I cannot remember the person who wants chicken rice without ketchup, without chili sauce, but I cannot do this auditory memory, that might be a bigger deal. So what are the indicator level might be different for different people and different demands, but the major the general idea is that if it occurs frequent enough if it frustrates you if it's giving you a lot of negative emotions and making it very effortful for you so your voice or problem you try to speak and people just keep on asking you to repeat and you can't speak across the room it's giving you problems and it's consistent and persistently getting worse that is a good indicator to get out
0: Mm. So usually it's sort of looking at what you've been able to do thus far and something is slowly sort of reducing your ability to do something that you would otherwise be able to effortlessly do, right?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people thought that this is like normal aging lah, normal mm. lah already lah. So I'm here to like describe this, this myth. When you get old, you're not supposed to have like difficulty in swallowing, uh, like um, getting harder to hear your voice. Unhealthy aging means you're supposed to not have all these problems yeah. Mm.
0: So then what are some of the causes, you know, diseases or injuries that could lead to someone um, experiencing these symptoms, these scenarios where they need speech therapy, especially among
1: the older adults? Yeah, so a lot of the more obvious ones would be like, wow, you had a stroke. Mm -hmm. There's something that will show up on imaging. There's an incident that uh, encourages you to seek help. So we're talking about brain injury, stroke, car accidents. You have a fall, you hit your head, all those. But there's also a lot of things that's happening in Suddenly, over the time, so we're talking about like dementia that might not show up very fast, and very recently with the emergence of COVID, we're seeing a lot more of long COVID, which um had seen uh, research has shown a lot more of early onset dementia-like symptoms. So um the one of the famous one that one of my colleagues uh, Zilek, who came on to talk about was like um the primary progressive aphasia mm-hmm. that uh, Bruce Bilead that character had. Yeah, so these are some of the more invisible ones though it's not something that has an event that can define it it doesn't mean that it's not important and shouldn't be supported yeah
0: Mm. you mentioned um aphasia and that was something that i spoke to you your 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 colleague um cecilia about right could you elaborate more about on these different i guess terms that i've seen come up you know things like aphasia this dysphagia what what do all these mean how do they affect the individual
1: yeah, so um, if it's something you see any like medical terms if, like A in front means like completely don't have. La. So if like this means like it is disordered, you still have it but it might not be as efficient. Mm-hmm. So aphasia is mostly when you have problem in the comprehension, expressive part of the language. So your muscles are all okay. Man. It's just that either you have problem when people talk to you, you can understand at all what the person is saying or you understand but when I want to put it into words, what I was thinking and what came up a bit different. So people, we um, were always taught that um, this happens due to like, a brain injury, like an insult like, Why wow, you got into car strokes, and all those things, or cancer, you got tumor in the brain. But um, dementia, people living with dementia has also have been diagnosed with uh, uh, aphasia signs as well, and aphasia often also shows up as one of the early neurological problems. So you might not have had a stroke, but you suddenly have an you know, onset of aphasia. That's also a sign that we might want to refer you to a neurologist or somebody to get to look into that, what is going on. Yeah. Mm.
0: And what about um dysphagia?
1: So dysphagia is like, yeah, sort of like aphasia, but it's like you still have some ability, Um, but it's a disordered one. Uh. You have, it's, it's just a, the difference in like, how much loss you have had in the skills.
0: Mm. There's also something I saw that said, that's this called a uh, apraxia. Is that relevant to sort of yes. older adults?
1: Yeah, so apraxia for adults are usually acquired praxis. So you used to not have it, but now you have it. So apraxia is it happens when you need. Um, support in coordination so it has a lot of different kinds of apraxia so the physiotherapist and the occupation therapist would work on your lean apraxia uh, or the motor of apraxia where you have problems coordinating the movements even though you have full strength mm-hmm. so you have very good fingers but you cannot play piano <laughs> those sort of things yeah so in terms of speech and language therapist uh, role we work, mostly work with uh, uh, a practice of speech where I have all my muscles, but I just can't seem to remember. I should close my lips first, and then I drop my jaw so I can say mau. So I need to round my lips to say mau, like this kind of thing. It's just movement coordination, no?
0: Mm. All right. So, and, and I'll touch on one more thing before we go for a quick break. Um, The point on dementia that you brought up, because a lot of people sort of might not make that link, right? Because if we're talking about dementia, it's a cognitive um, decline issue. Why would someone with dementia need speech therapy? Yeah. So,
1: there's, because there's a lot of different kinds of dementia, symptoms that you see might be different in people. So dementia is just like an umbrella term, right? you have the frontal temporal which affects more on like emotions, you see more outbursts of feelings. You also have the other dimensions that affect just the particular part of the brain. Mm-hmm. So speech therapy can help in three ways. One of the best stuff, the first thing we do is compensating. What are your immediate loss? How can we help you develop strategies to compensate? Do you make picture cookbooks instead since words might be a bit hard to understand? Do you need more visual and written reminder of the lights? Take your keys. Do you need color-coded things around your house? This is for where you put your plate. This is where you put your spoon. The second thing, we also work on rehabilitative strategies. So we work directly with the patient. We run specific programs and therapy to help you maintain and maximize whatever communication function that you would have so that the decline is as low as possible. Um, the goals are very different, depending on what that particular person would need. And the third thing is actually education and support. So we don't just work with the patient, we work with the entire social community that the person would, living with um, dementia would have. So we have to train the partners and we have to give them advisors and help them to um, support the, the person in his house, in the office, um, to ensure that's maximum societal involvement. So, these are the things um, we do to help care partners, to help them manage their stress. Because you can't just tell them that I'd be patient, nah, but with what? What are the strategies I can do? Well, mm-hmm. I just have to be patient. So, this all comes from the role of the Swiss language therapy mm-hmm. with people living in dementia.
0: The frustration is not just for that patient themselves, but for their family members also, right? Because they are also struggling to support that individual.
1: Yeah, and it's unfair to just say I'll be more patient i love them without equipping them with skills without equipping them with like, the support network and the place to vent and to just let them let off steam yeah mm.
0: alright we'll continue our conversation after a quick break I'm speaking today to Te Chia Yi speech language therapist about how speech therapy can help older adults um with different issues that uh, result in them requiring speech therapy so we'll continue this conversation after a quick break on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su-An. On the show with me today is Te speech language therapist. Um, and it is an episode of our Healthy Aging series. So we are looking into the role of speech therapy for older adults. And we are talking about um, different conditions varying from neurological disorders, um, things like um, people who have had a stroke or even cases of dementia, um, like chia was talking about earlier. Or in some cases when, you know, older adults find that they are struggling to... To speak or that they find that their voices are getting softer. It's not necessarily a natural part of aging, but something that, you know, can be addressed, that can be strengthened to help you communicate better. So you've mentioned a little bit about how it would help um, older adults, you know, sort of be a bit more independent when they have speech therapy. But let's talk about that a bit more, right, Jai? what are usually the goals for older adults when they undergo speech therapy, you know, and how exactly, what are some concrete examples or milestones that you or the patient or their family members would be looking for?
1: Yeah, so the goals would be very personalised and different um, for each individual. So like I mentioned earlier, like how um, for a person with a very demanding work uh, situation where there's conferences and there's a lot of documents to be read the goals might just be getting better in re- reading comprehension um, getting better in retaining information on auditory memory so i can listen and i can retain the information and i can reply in a multi uh stakeholder meetings so um so the first few sessions with the patient usually and the family we will usually identify what are what is your social um, goals. What are some of the things you have been doing to you? Just what are something that's very important to you? So for some of my patients, they are, one of their goals is just to be able to order chicken rice on my own. So I no longer need to rely on other people. To play mahjong with my friends. I want to learn how to say all the name of the tiles again. So uh, the goals might be very different, um, but it's not always aiming for curative so a lot of people would think ah i go speech therapy i must be 100% in i must be back to usual so a lot of the time speech therapy goals come uh, something that we come up with the person and the family or like other stakeholders in there but there are essentially two main aims mm-hmm. one is where we work to have significant improvements. We want them to be back to work. You want them to be at least functioning. I can retrieve words so much better. I don't forget um, conversations. Um, My swallowing is all improved. I don't cough a lot when I'm drinking. drinking. The second one, which a lot of people do not really talk about, is actually to ensure that people with life-limiting diagnosis, say for example with dementia, you don't necessarily get healed from it. You're not cured from it. But you will be able to maximize your comfort, your personal preference, um, and a very good end of life care. If you have your best food and drinks, you eat orally as long as possible. You can eat your bakute until the last time, um, and you'll be able to still participate socially for as long and safely and as comfortable as possible. I guess this are just some of the goals that we speech and language therapists work with. It's not necessarily I would then make you better, but I would support you with whatever goals that is that matters to you. Yeah.
0: Is it challenging to manage expectations, especially um from family members? Because you know, people might think that this is curative.
1: Yes. So a lot of the times the first few sessions usually is where we have a lot of conversations with the person and with the family. So for example, you come like with a with a family and a person who's just been diagnosed with dementia. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times as a therapist, what we need to do is just to listen. So if you're seeing people say, I want my father to go back to last night. I want him to be able to talk and eat and whatever. The the managing expectation part is to usually listen to what is the underlying thing that they're trying to tell you. If I am in denial, I'm fearful, I don't want to admit I have this, a lot of the time is I'm afraid and not knowing information makes me even more afraid. So I would spend a few sessions and a lot, lot more sessions after that just trying to have a grasp of what they understand first. If, imagine they're shuffling from doctors to doctors. Huh? There's so many appointments. Mm-hmm. Chances are huh? they're overwhelmed with a lot of information and not enough time to and no much people to ask them. how are you processing it? So if they're telling you, uh, I don't want... The, my father sit in the wheelchair. I want him to eat. I want to eat orally. I don't want the tube. Most of the time, I will ask, him, ask them is, what is about the tube feeding that scares you? What is something that I can do to make you less fearful? So, if they know, oh, if I know how to make the milk, maybe it's easier. If I know that, my father eat with the tube, also can still eat with the mouth. We can still have dinner together at the table. Maybe it's less fearful. So managing expectation is not me going in and telling them, hey, your goals are cannot run. Mm-hmm. It's me listening to what matters to them and how I can best cater to their family's needs and their personal preference.
0: Mm. And from what I understand, you're sort of indirectly, or I guess directly, telling family members how they can play their own role to support that individual, right? So that they're not feeling so helpless as well.
1: Yeah, so a lot of the times when um these are people who have been travelling an hour before the appointment, have to find parking and mm. then get a wheelchair and then go from doctors to doctors not knowing who they are seeing sometimes and waiting for hours at pharmacy. There's a lot of um, burnout. It's very tiring. So when my, the, these people that I work with have a lot of expectations or they have a lot of outbursts in emotions, um, I understand and I, I want to try and understand at least um, where they are coming from so that I can best support them in like dealing with change of behavior. I cannot just tell them, eh, be patient. I need to equip them with the strategies and the skills that they can practice and use with their loved ones, so that their patients also have something to navigate through this whole journey.
0: Mm, all right. And, you know, I know you cannot um, sort of, it would be sort of a very long list if I, I were to ask you to give some examples of what you do with your patients during sessions, but maybe just give, um, give us a few examples of, I guess, the common exercises or things that you do during speech therapy, just to get people to better understand, I think, what actually is involved in speech therapy.
1: Yeah, so if, if you've already had that assessment already, so we're talking about a therapy session, and it usually lasts like 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. um, depending on the person's ability to like, cope with that intensity. What I usually do is, I usually start by checking if there's any new changes or any support that they need first. So it's just like asking family, like, how, what are the new changes? What's something that I can do? So pa- patient will then report and say, oh, now can finish a whole meal in like 20 minutes, uh, no coughing, no no spitting already, not much problem, oh, gain weight already, signs that they are eating better, oh, no, no fever, no lung infection, these are very good things. I'll usually do a quick check to see their current level as well. So say, for example, last time, if I want them to like, oh, tell me five fruits you like to eat, they can pop, 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 tell me five things. At this week, they should be able to do so and do more if possible. And from then on, um, we will then work on areas needing support so usually these goals we have already like have a rough idea um determined at the first few assessments when i'm talking to the family of the person um, leaving the uh, diagnosis already so for example i cannot remember the words uh, when i want to say things i'll just that one that one so we we'll work on some strategies to retrieve words and mm-hmm. identify the strengths. So say, for example, I have a patient who cannot remember words really well, mm-hmm. but he would usually be able to do the action. So we've been teaching him to do more actions so that the communication partners would be able to guess and give him better answers. So we train the partners to give um, those strategies, those cues. So to at the beginning of the session, I'll be doing a lot of talking. I'll be like showing you <laughs> can show him this Give him choices. Uh, you want something? You want the cup? Do the hand stirring motion. So the person will say, ah, I'll cup and uh, stir, stir. So that the person will say, spoon. Things like this. And then towards the end and the middle of the session is a lot more practices and drills where I usually don't say a lot. can you try. So the family member would do, I'll um, just be faster as you I uh, Give more choices. So you train the loved ones to then be like the speech therapists for their loved ones. They can support them. They have the skills to be a very effective communication partner. And with all the goals and the practice items might differ, might differ from person to person. Mm-hmm. I have done a um, word retrieval on mahjong Towns. So we don't do like what is apple, orange, all those things. We do what is hong chong, bak bak
0: Because that's what's okay. familiar yeah. to them,
1: right? Yes, we have also done kueh mui names for one of my auntie who's a hawker who sells kueh, so we got pictures of her right, and she was just practicing naming all her kueh and money again so she can go back to like living with like all of these things, so like selling and going back to her vocation. Um, I usually close by guiding them to come up with relevant homework. So i ask them, then, what do you think you want to practice after today? What other ways you want to practice? Do you want to then practice ayer instead so that they can order drinks from you? Uh, so usually it's a lot more di- um, directed by the patient. So they will tell me, I want to do this next week. I want to order chicken rice and wonton on my own. I want to practice this after. So yeah, beginning will be a lot of me talking and demonstrating. Middle and end would just be them practicing the skills.
0: Mm, that practicing part must be vital, right? Because you're only there, like you say, one session is 45 minutes to an hour. They need to keep up that practicing with their family members so that they can um, improve faster, right?
1: Yeah, so usually it will always insist that the person um, needing speech therapy Always come with the kampong orang as much as possible. It takes a village, so bring as many communication partners as you could. I've seen family, friends, neighbors, and also grab drivers because that's the designated driver who would bring the person mm. in every time. Yeah, <laughs> it can be anyone.
0: <laughs> anyone that is yeah, vital to to facilitating them to some sort of independence, some sort of normalcy, right? Yes. So if we, you know, look at the bigger picture, I guess, you know, how aware do you think Malaysians are about the role that speech-language therapy can play, you know, for older adults in these various situations or even just the ability, the the, the availability, sorry, of speech-language therapists?
1: Yeah, so it's not a, it's not a new... Uh... Thing that we, should. we all know how inaccessible our healthcare is. Um, so um, I don't have a very concrete numbers, but we do have a paper published by Dr. Chu in UKM in 2019 where there's only reported a little over 300 speech and language across Malaysia. This is in both in public and private already, mm-hmm. but it's mostly focused in like big cities. So say, for example, last time I used to work in Sabah under, the, under KKM and MOH, we only have four hospitals with uh, the peak nine speech and language therapies covering the entire wow. big state of Sabah. So the the accessibility is not good. You have to travel very far. A lot of people start with not knowing where to even get the referrals. Mm-hmm. Once you get referrals from your doctors, from your clinic, your GPs, the, the, does begin the long waiting time to see that that handful of speech and language therapy. You have to travel very far. Means you're missing work. You're missing your financial support. Um, there's a lot of toll in this. It gets. It's been getting better with teletherapy. Um, online services have been offered to kind of break that barrier. But people are still taking time off. And private speech and language therapy sessions is just really very expensive um, and still not that vastly available across Malaysia. Yeah. Mm.
0: I want to touch a bit on what are, the, what are your concerns if people cannot access speech language therapy, especially in an effective manner, right? Because could it lead to long-term um, disabilities and things like that?
1: Yeah, so early intervention, what we always um, champion for is early detection and intervention. La. The earlier you can start, the better it is because there's a lot more of like tra- retraining the brain. But if you can't access it, um, either because you have finance, the, the easiest is because of finances, uh, financial constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of NGOs running programs. So One of them is um, the National Association of um, Stroke in Malaysia, uh, mm-hmm. NASAM. So they have a lot of affiliated speech and language therapies which are offering like 50% to some like, like they're sponsoring those sessions. Do approach them, do approach the NGOs for like training and support. For people living with dementia, um, we have ADFM, so Alzheimer's Disease Foundation Malaysia, who's been providing a lot of online trainings as well. And um, most of the time, if you can if distance is a problem always try and approach and ask do you provide daily therapy can i do it online you don't need to have fancy equipment like zooms and all whatnot some of my patients use whatsapp video call because they don't have they don't have much literacy in setting up things so it just depends on me calling them and uncle pressing that green button so i'm trying to reduce the barriers to access um support much as possible.
0: So over on the training end then you know do you think we can do more to create an environment that encourages people to see um, being a speech language therapist as a career path that fosters you know greater interest in being an allied healthcare worker?
1: Yeah that is actually a very timely and amazing question with the university application results just coming up and speech and language therapy not being listed anywhere near the top 10 most designed <laughs> courses. So my course is actually very um good. I think uh, the university and my, a lot of my alumni and my classmates have been trying to work a lot more increasing awareness of this course. So I've been doing a lot of these threads on my Twitter account to get uh, students who are very disappointed they didn't get into medicine and try and rope them in into this healthcare <laughs> job. I think um a lot of the times people see that we are not the ones with the dr in front of our names doesn't seem as like cool or like, like useful i can't do much but if you are an individual who really likes to give voices and like platform people with lived experiences you like to see progress and grow with your patients this is an amazing career for you and it pays really well in private (laughs) Uh, not so much in public not so much in public sector like if you're following the KKM pay um, such as our KKM jobs Um, but this is a very rewarding career I think a lot of the times people are not aware um, so there's three universities, only three universities in Malaysia providing this. We have UKM, USN and UIA. I uh, myself is from UKM. And there are no private universities or colleges in Malaysia providing this course. So you are very in demand. <laughs> there is nobody who has had a difficulty looking for jobs like there's jobs everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And
0: like you say, we only have so uh, a handful, right? Just about 300 serving the entire country. So definitely a job in demand there. Um, On, the, on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Chai. No I've been speaking to Te Ye, speech language therapist on our episode of Healthy Aging and we have been discussing speech therapy for older adults I'm Lim Suan and this has been Health & Living BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app